And time now to join Alita Robinson and Pastor Samuel of A Reasonable Christianity. Well, here we are again in the studio, Pastor Samuel Chizikedi. We are indeed. Good, after- <laughs> good afternoon. Good afternoon, Alita. How are uh, you going? I'm going really good. It's, um, it's good to, uh, to be in the studio and to, uh, to see your lovely face this morning, or this afternoon. It was this morning <laughs> when I first saw your face, but anyway, it's now ticked over, <laughs> over the midday mark. Anyway. I'm um, I'm really pleased to be here again. Last week I was off away and Mr. S- yeah, Mr. Stanton sat in for me, which was really nice. Yes, yes. We thought to ourselves you were having a lot of fun uh, away, uh, so. Uh, I hope that you had a fantastic time, didn't you? Oh, yes. It's always good to spend time with family. Yeah. I think we've all felt that after the last couple of years, um, some of those important things uh, have really come under the spotlight, haven't they? Yeah. So it's really good to be able to spend time with family. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Now, we are going to tackle a subject today that we sort of have spoken about before, um, but as we were saying, there's always new things to reflect about. Yes. And that's the concept of hell. Yes. The concept that there is a hell, that God actually has provided a place <laughs> for, of punishment, if you like, for, uh, for people. And uh, why would a good God decide that it was necessary to provide a place like that for people to dwell in for eternity? So I think that's a fairly... It's a fairly big question, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's one of those um, uh, questions uh, that, you know, when you, when you pick it up, because, you know, our listeners are still asking, uh, when you pick it up, uh, it is, um, you know, it, it makes uh, many theologians these days, especially in a church in the West, feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the um, Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those doctrines uh, within uh, Scripture, the doctrine of hell, that the church is really no longer talking about it as much. Um, and it's very interesting. Uh, I was actually um, reflecting on having heard uh, somebody I've quoted here on, 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 on this program as one of my heroes, uh, Many times, uh, that's R.C. Sproul. Uh, R.C. is one of the most amazing theologians I know. And um, he was asked the question, among all the Christian doctrines, which one uh, is the one he doesn't really particularly like to talk <laughs> about? <laughs> and he said, the doctrine of hell. It makes him more comfortable. Well, that, that's, a, that's a towering figure among Christian theologians uh, who uh, hold that view. Now, the, the, the question is that, you know, something may make us feel uncomfortable. We get that. But we've we got to ask the question, what exactly is at the bottom of this discomfort? Uh, the question, the way you've asked it, that why would a good God, you know, send people in the place of punishment, you know, eternal punishment? Mm. And so the question seems as though it is asked from intellectual point of view. Yeah, it's, it seems as though the question is just barely intellectual. But it actually is not. The question is not really an intellectual one. Mm. Let me try to sort of ask a, a, a question back. Why would a good judge send people to jail? Exactly. You see, if I ask that question in our society today, if I say, why would a good judge send anyone to jail um, or why would he send people to jail now we would start with two things that we can think about number one uh, either the judge isn't good that's why he's sending people who are not supposed to go to jail to jail that's one way mm-hmm. so then it's the goodness of the judge we are questioning Yeah. or if the judge was good and we had established that the people that get sent to jail were people who had broken the law, we would say those people deserved to go to jail. Then if a good judge did not send them to jail, we'd think something is wrong with this judge. Yes. All right? Mm. So we would say, well, people who deserve to be, we've got jails around. We've got jails around, don't we? And they're full. Yeah, we've got jails around. <laughs> yeah. You know, for people of all ages, I, I would like to mention. Yes. Uh, some of our youngest, uh, you know, 
people in, in custody start from age 10, mm. 9, 10 years old in custody. Yeah. Um, and I've got a basically a background experience in that particular uh, domain. And so, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, all the way to 21, and then all the way to adults. So, so you know, people do go to jail, and we see it happen. We actually think, yeah, that should, the person should go to jail. So the question is asked on an angle that has got some assumptions, right? Yeah. Because we don't ask that about our ju- justice system right now. We don't. Because we understand that a well-organized society needs to have a justice system that has got a place of confinement of people who have, you know, broken societal laws. So the question is really not an intellectual one. Otherwise, the, the, the answer is self-evident. The question is got a moral underlining which thinks that God should not have any reason to send people to jail. Or if it does, there are not people who, there are people who are good, but who just, it, God unjustly sends them. To yeah, okay. So when you start to think about it that way, then we've clarified what is being asked here. So we have to answer two, two things. Is God good? Is he just? And does he have laws? And does those laws, are those laws justified? Mm. Right? Yeah. Is, is it justified to have a certain sense of order and a system? Mm. And then we need to ask, are there people who have broken his moral standard? Yeah. And then once we've established those just from an intellectual point of view, we can see whether the 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 objection still is there. Okay. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people struggle with the idea of sin. I mean, you look at society now and people do not take responsibility for their actions. They always like to blame someone else. You blame the system, you blame your parents, you blame your friend, you blame the devil, <laughs> you blame all sorts of people yes. instead of blaming yourself. Yeah. And and so I think people struggle with the concept of sin, yep. doing the wrong thing, um, even though we have a justice system and we know all about that and in our head we know that this is the way to go. Yeah. But I think it's the whole eternal hell Thing oh, that maybe people, eternal. you know, that that we have a eternity that we're looking forward to, um, but there are people that are going to spend eternity with God, yeah. and then you've got people that will sp- spend eternity in hell. Okay. And so, what what does that look like? Ah. I, I mean, here we are. You know, these people don't even believe in hell. <laughs> a lot yes. of these people, they don't believe in hell. They don't believe they're sinners, so they don't have a. They don't believe they need a savior. Hmm. So they then. Um, if you like, they're going to end up in this place forever. Right. <laughs> so you, you, you've highlighted a number of things that, that I would like to sort of, uh, you know, pull apart a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so what makes the most uncomfortable is the eternality of hell, right? Mm. Well, it's, go- I mean, you go to jail. There are people that get sent to jail for life. We've had the sentences that are two life sentences. You know the word, you know, basically you're going to die in there. So it's not as though we basically uh, think that the length of somebody's uh, all life being spent in jail is really a problem. However, however, to give them a credit, you're thinking, well, once somebody, you know, is passed that time in jail and then they die, we would like to believe that they somehow now free. Mm-hmm. All yes, right? We yep. would put them in jail, now yep. they're free. Now they're so free. I understand why the eternality of hell is still uncomfortable, even if we use the analogy of people being in li- sentenced to life or to life in jail. Well, if they've done that too, if they've spent and they haven't repented and they haven't come to God, then they've gone from a life, a physical in life, physical. human life in jail to an eternal spiritual life yeah. in hell. So that's the one we're going to sort of be looking at. Why eternal? But so, but you've, you pull out something else that you say people don't, the concept of sin is yeah, now offensive. It is. You know, it is absolutely, no, the concept that people do wrong thing, uh, I'm, 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 I'm sort of puzzled by the fact that do people say that wrong things do not happen, people don't do it, uh, or they just simply ob- ob- object to wrong if God is mentioned? Think about it. The person who's like, well, you know, I, don't, I don't want anybody to say I'm a sinner, right? Yes. 
The same people will object if somebody broke into their cars and stole their stuff. Yes. They'll say that's wrong, right? Mm. Or, you know, the spouse went outside the marital bed. They'll be absolutely so upset, like he betrayed me, she betrayed me, did wrong, wrong, wrong. So it's not as though the concept of wrong has disappeared. No, that's true. We are just trying to set up who determines what is wrong. It's good if we dethroned God and enthroned ourselves so that we could be offended when wrong is done by me. Mm. Okay? But why should God be, you know, um, should have any right to to set what is right from what is wrong? We want to avoid that accountability. Like mm-hmm. if we want to talk about it from, like in all in all, uh, and and I've always thought of thought, why is the church really wandered away from the doctrine of hell uh, and feel uncomfortable? It's because people have not wanted to look at this face to face. There's something we've bought in our culture, and then it start to pay me at the church. The idea that people are good people. Yes, we are that's exactly good. right. Yeah, he's we a good man. She's a good woman. Good people. We are good people. Yes. yes, that's right. So when somebody says to me, "I'm a good person," and often I want to follow up with a question, "What do you mean by good person?" Mm. Very often they would, you know, pull up a number of you know things that can be said about you know, I give to charity. You know, I've never done any. Uh, stolen anybody anything so sort of few things like that yes and i think that's an idea worth nodding out before i talk actually about you know what scripture teaches on the topic you're listening to 105.1 life fm bendigo's positive choice and this is q a with samuel chisichetti from ark church and uh, if you're actually wanting to join us, you can go onto Samuel's Facebook and you can see him live uh, in the studio. But we are talking about the con- well, we're talking about hell, the doctrine of hell, the yes. doctrine of hell. We're talking yes. about God, who has, if you like, created a place to send people who do the wrong thing. Yeah. We're also discussing the fact that people find it very hard to think that they're sinners, that we live in a culture. And, and maybe that's just a Western thing because I think it, it, it might be quite mostly, different in it's other quite, places. Quite, quite most, yeah, because I mean, I've I've just come back from Africa. Yes, and it's just like two worlds apart. Mm. You know, people may sort of you know feel uncomfortable when they're told that they've done the wrong thing. <clears throat> pardon me, but this strong belief in the West that you know people are good people, and and not only that, that if you say that somebody was wrong, it is wrong to say that. Isn't that the discussion we're having at the moment everywhere? Everywhere. Everywhere. If you have a differing opinion, you are wrong. But they're saying that it is wrong to say that other people are Are wrong. wrong. Yes. You know? so We're inclusive, but we don't include people that that, think differently than we do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we've basically committed what is called philosophical suicide uh, in the West. It's unfortunate Mm. to see. And so the things that were obvious and simple, like, for example, if I say this person is wrong, and or have done the wrong thing, and you turn to me and says it's wrong to say that the person is wrong, or you know you shouldn't judge another person. Those are the two th- something. What it does in terms of logic, logic, it, mm. it's that statement. It's okay you can hold that view until you say it. When you open your mouth and utter it, the view you hold commits suicide. <laughs> yes, it commits hairy carry. Yes. What do I mean by that? Uh, I mean. When you, if I say someone is wrong, and you tell you tell me that I am wrong for saying the person is wrong, so you're condemning me for saying that somebody else is wrong while telling me I'm wrong. So when I say that to someone else they're wrong, I am wrong. But when you say that I am wrong, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't no, make sense. No. So if you really want to hold the view that people can't make, you know, do wrong things. You, you can hold that view, but never say it. Don't, yeah. don't open your mouth to say it. Mm. But even that, in practice, people know that this is not true. Mm. Wrong happen. People do wrong things. You may think that you're not. You know, once I'm a good person, people go, I give to charity, da-da-da-da. But the same people, if you pull some people, like say, ask them, you know, have you heard of Pol Pot or Hitler or Mussolini, you know? 
or you know the the person who, who has committed heinous crimes like murdering you know innocent people 10 or 20 people innocently murdered what would you say now these days you can see but it depends we've got to look at the background of it okay you're trying to see what could have possibly led this person to commit such moral evil yes but you don't deny that the taking a life of an innocent child or an innocent person is in itself a moral wrong mm. so wrongs up actually the person who says that you know, let's say if I if I went uh, to the supermarket, and you know they, they were buying their stuff, and I um I was just simply grabbing their stuff and putting it into my cart, uh, and and they want to say, wait, wait, what are you doing, mate? That, that, that's that's my stuff. I'm like, well, no, I, I want to take them, and they. The reason why they object is because it's wrong to do that, right? Mm. And and they say, but that's wrong. That's theft. I'm like, well, it depends. It it may be a theft depending on my background. You know, I came from Africa. We didn't used to eat much there. Well, that example in the in so, the supermarket, you haven't paid for it yet, so it's not yours. Yeah. <laughs> it still belongs to the supermarket. And I'm trying just to catch up with you. You were born in the West and you've eaten your entire life. You know, I come to the West. I was only yeah. 32 years old when I came here. Yeah. And so. You know, I just want to catch up. Uh, so my background was I used to go to school and go hungry for seven days. How about you let me, every time I go to the supermarket, never pay? Mm. Just I'm trying to catch up. Remember my background? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy that. No. Okay? So let's stop this. It, it's You can buy into a nonsensical notion, mm. but just, just let's drop it. Wrong happened, evil exists, and people know it. Mm. And there is no evil unless there is evildoers. Okay? Yeah. Evil exists because there are evildoers. And because of that, if we, if God exists, which he does, and people do evil and there is no retribution for that evil, then God himself would be evil. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. So the question to why would a good God send people to hell is actually the wrong question. Uh, I wanted to actually see, the, the, the idea is the Bible actually teaches about the doctrine of hell. Out of more than 120 times, if you will, uh, hell is mentioned in the New Testament, mm. Jesus alone takes the largest share of mention of hell. Okay. It's more than 70 times. Mm. Okay. So more than a half the time, Jesus alone had taken the biggest share of teaching on the doctrine of hell. And not only that, uh, he had a number of ways of describing uh, the, the, the place. You know, you know, it was utter darkness, you know, a, a place where there's gnashing of teeth. Or, you know, a place where fire doesn't die out. A place where the worm doesn't die. You know, there is, there is a lot of descriptions when it comes to the, Jesus himself mentioned hell a lot. When the church doesn't talk about the doctrine of hell, the challenge to the doctrine of hell is not just challenge to one point. It is a challenge to the... It's not as an isolated incident. This is a challenge to the entire message of the gospel. It is actually the challenge to the good news of the gospel. Mm. So, to not be able to look at that doctrine and fairly engage with it uh, is to do a huge disservice to that which actually is the commission that the church has been given. You hear things like, oh, look, you know, the, those preachers who preach, you know, hell and brimstones, you know. And, you know, people say, well, you, you want to scare people into the kingdom of God. Well, not really. Like being able to warn someone yeah. about something dangerous that is waiting around the corner. Yeah. It, well, it's, well, you can scare people into safety. That's fine. Yeah. Let's yeah. say you, you know, I'm standing on the road and there's a car coming at 120 kilometers an hour and you yell at me, hey, Samuel, get off the road. You may be hit by a car. Like, wait, were you trying to scare me off the road? Well, yes, you're trying to scare me off the road because if I don't, what you're scaring me of is real. Mm. It will happen. I'll be hit and I'll be dead. Yeah. And so here's how we found ourselves in this. Even people say, well, you preach about heaven too much. They're like, oh, you're trying to bribe people into, you know, following your religion. Yeah. So either way, whether it is heaven or hell, the, the culture that doesn't want to hear the gospel anymore will try to use these tactics to say, don't talk to us about your message. So then when we turn around, we turn the gospel into a sort of humanistic uh, social justice here and now, you know, do good things, you feel better about yourself. 
it, it, the gospel becomes about ourselves in the here and now. Mm. Unfortunately, that's what it's become. Yeah. So the church of God needs to be very careful. Jesus warned about the reality of hell over and over and over again. Now, let's look about look at, at the very concept of hell and the goodness of God then. Okay? Okay. The, the first place to start is to understand the gravity of what the Bible calls sin. The gravity of what the Bible calls sin. Mm. Now, you've just said that, you know, people don't believe in sin anymore. You know, even the word sin, when it's mentioned, it's offensive into the culture. Okay? Now, let me look at the concept of sin, and which then justifies the justice of God. Uh, for people who had in whatever you know in in a, in a place of separation from him, sin is the betrayal of heaven. Let me say that again. Sin is this grave betrayal of heaven. Now, no one in our culture today actually really enjoy betrayal. You know, and I am yet to find someone say, oh, I, I love people who betray me. I want to betray me. I'm really happy with them. I want to, you know, shower them with all my, all, all everything that I have. Nobody does that. Mm. Because we know that betrayal is actually a moral evil. Uh, let, let, let's see, this is how the scripture tells the story. I'm not going to make the case for the existence of God and stuff like that. We've done that here on the radio uh, a, a number of times. Let's just take the concept as they are. God is, he created the world. He created the human race. And if you have any doubt to the fact that God is and He created the human race, I will refer you to go back to the program we've done on the radio here about the existence of God. I can give you about 12 arguments for the existence of God. Yeah. It's amazing. Now, God makes man and He puts him in charge of the kingdom on earth. Okay? That's what the Bible teaches. So God creates the universe and He puts man in the Garden of Eden. And out of all the creatures that He had made, he had, was under no obligation to choose man to put in his image. Mm. God could have chosen a goat or a cow or a cat mm. or any other, even an ant. It was an act of grace that God would choose man made from dirt yeah. and would breathe his breath of life so his spirit would dwell in the man so that the man is now made in God's image. So that is what the scripture teaches right there, right? Now, God says to the man, you represent me here. Be fruitful, multiply, and govern here. Okay? So, man is the representative of God on the planet here in the universe that God has made. Yeah. And then the Bible goes on to say, then the deceiver shows up. Now, remember this deceiver had already caused havoc in heaven mm. and been kicked out of there. Okay? He has betrayed heaven. And is the angel, is an angel, uh, is a, a, not an archangel, but a, a seraph, is a seraph. So, the highest ranking of angels. And that's the one the Bible calls Satan, Hasatan, or the devil, yeah. or the adversary. The word Satan means the adversary. Is the adversary the enemy of God. That's it. Why? He wanted to take God's place and God's position. So that's, that's another set. So you have a full picture of what the Christian, uh, Christian message teaches. He comes and shows up to Adam. So he's the other side is the enemy of God. And he says to the man God had given his entire trust and his entire kingdom here to, to govern. He says, God is a liar. Yes. God lied to you. And I think you should be my ally. If you take my proposition, then God is evil and I'm good. Mm. And so the man that God had given dominion and authority here, accept the proposition of the enemy of God, betrays God, betrays God's trust. And so he turns around, he believes God is evil. And then he takes the fruit that has been as a proposition to him. He eats it. And so when God comes, he asks him, hey, what did you do? What has happened? And his answer is, you gave me the woman, she gave me the fruit, and I ate it. In other words, you are evil as I was told. Mm. So this is called basically treason. He has betrayed heaven, and he has betrayed his maker and his king. And that hasn't changed, has it? Because no. Adam blamed Eve, and, um, and we blame everyone else but ourselves. Adam didn't take responsibility for his part yes. in what, what was done. Yes. And we don't take responsibility in our part yeah. of what we do. 
that exactly. is evil. So you can see that it, yeah, it sort of repeats. Yeah, it started itself. there. It keep, just keeps going. Yeah. So he's basically say, what does it really do to you? Let's say, let me look at it in terms of countries so that you'll understand. Think about it. Let's say so Australia is the Australian government and we've got, you know, our the Prime Minister elected by the people. I'm not saying this is happening, but just think of what would be. Australia is at war, and and what the enemy of our country convinced our Prime Minister, you know, who represents the Queen here, our Prime Minister, to become an ally with them against Australia. Mm. What do you think all Australians would think of someone like that? It was a traitor. Traitor? Yeah. Well, what do you do with a traitor? You shower them with praise. They are absolutely amazing. No, we know that at least um, I'm yet to check exactly what, what are the laws in Australia in terms of what do you, if, if we, there was a war and somebody committed treason, what do you do? You know, in other countries, treason means you die, mm. right? Yeah. So the man made from dirt decided to, he willingly decided to separate himself from God and go with the deceiver. Mm. So he became the traitor, the, tr- the treasonous, the person who betrays heaven. So God's like, well, if you've betrayed me, then you're out of my realm. You can't live in God's realm by be- betraying them. Like today, people have got, you know, companies, all these big companies. What do you reckon if somebody within the company with the CEO is going to sell the secret of this particular company to the other, you know? To their opposition. They'll keep their yeah. job, yeah? Yeah. No. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like before one goes arcing up against this, one must understand what Adam did. Adam betrayed heaven and became literally the enemy of heaven by becoming an ally of the enemy of God. Keep mm. that as a thought. Yes. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Benigo's Positive Choice, and you're with Alida Robinson and Samuel Chisichetti, Pastor Samuel Chisichetti from Ark Church, and we are discussing hell. Yes, we mm. are indeed. Now, where we were, as, as we were taking a bit of a quick break there, was to say that, uh, you know, the setup is that man betrayed his maker. Mm. Now, uh, you may, you know, wonder, hang on a minute, uh, you know, why should God have any standard at all? Why, why does he have to judge people on the standard? Well, uh, that's an interesting question because, you know, anywhere, any place where you go, there is always a standard. There is. There is a standard. Mm. If you're going to have a place where there are interactions, there is going to always, even when the standard are tacit, you know, I walk in, 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 in Australia, there is always these unspoken rules. You know, for me, as a man from Africa, when I did it, sometimes I, I, I made, you know, you, you made a mi- mistake that you didn't even know you made a mistake. <laughs> no, right. You know, and, and there are these unspoken rules. I, I've told this story before. It's always funny when I tell it. When I went to England for the first time, you know, the story, uh, you know, I didn't understand that people do queue over there. Mm-hmm. So I had to catch the bus. And in Congo, we fight. You fight for every spot you can get. <laughs> so I went running. And the bus was, sta- it was standing there. And there was somebody before me. Uh, and, I, you know, I just ran as fast, went past them, jumped on the bus, and sat there. And the driver <laughs> shut the door. The driver, he was counting the number of people they're supposed to take. So the gentleman that I just went past was supposed to be the last person on the bus. And I was supposed to wait. Until the next bus shows up, which would be about three to five minute top, mm-hmm. and I'll catch the next bus. But I did not know the standard. I didn't know the rules, so just jump in. And oh, the gentleman was not happy. No. And so I saw somebody running on the side of the bus, pointing their finger at me, and I looked at them, and they showed me a middle finger. <laughs> Me not knowing exactly what that meant. Okay. I just smiled and gave them away. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. You would have rubbed it in. It's like they got even up. Now, uh, I'm like, why are they upset? <laughs> I couldn't understand until I got an explanation later on by my host mm. to say, well, no, 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 no. Here, you wait in the line. There is a standard here. <laughs> there are rules in this society. 
What would be a society without rules? Why would God create a world without rules? There are rules in nature, the law of gravity, thermodynamic. There is the law of internal combustion. There is, you know, the laws of entropy. Just even just in your natural law, there are laws. If God didn't set these laws up, the planets would be colliding and collapsing. If God didn't set a moral standard for human beings, could you imagine what could, we could do to each other? There are moral standards right now. Look at what we're still doing to each other. Yes, that's true. Mm. So God set a standard. Now, if you're going to arc up against standard setting, let think about yourself. In your house, you have a standard. Yes. Everybody's got a standard. Let's say if you had your house, I'll give you one of my gross sort of, a, <laughs> uh, you know, example, just to try to, everybody, even if they say, well, I don't care, people can do whatever they like. We actually don't really mean it because somewhere, somehow, you have a standard and somebody's going to go walk on your toes on that particular standard and you're going to come arcing up. The person say, no, no, I don't care. People can do whatever they like. Trying to cut them in front uh, in the line where they, you know, just cut, the, cut the, them cut in them front. Off, yeah. yeah, or just simply find that there's, you know, in a big, massive Melbourne car park and there are fewer car parks and just you jump in first when they were waiting to get into that park and see what happens, right? Mm. They're going to smile. Oh, yeah, you can just do whatever you like. No, people understand that right and wrong exist, and people have got standards. If you had a house and your walls were painted in all white and your carpet is creamy and nice, and I come in and I'm wearing these gum boots and they're all full of dirt, and I'm just going to want to walk on your really nice carpet, I'm sure you're going to say, oh, no problem, Samuel, there's no standard, just walk in. Well, no, we know you're not going to do that. Mm. You're going to say to me, can you leave your shoes? I've got a friend, whenever I get to the house, I... He always pointed my shoes. They stay outside. Yep. <laughs> and so if I'm going to live in your house, I have to abide by your rules. Yes. You want to live in Australia? You abide by Australian rules, yes. right? Yeah. And we don't think that's unjust, do we? No. No. And so if if you have a, a, a rule in your house, and even if let's say in it out, in, in, it's raining outside and, and it's all cold and dark, and, and so you are kind, you want to take me in your side of the house, but I insist that I have to come in with my gum boots and walk on your carpet as it is with, with all the mud. What would you say? No. Well, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Why? Mm. Because you're thinking, if you want to be in my house, then you can stick to my standard. It's just that simple. It's not that hard. Mm. You know, I've got a standard here. And so if somebody, you find out you had, you trusted someone, you left them in your house, and then you come back and you find that you had told them to not walk on the carpet with muddy, dirty gumboots, and then you come in, you find that there's mud, dirt everywhere, and they're like, well, you know, I just want to be free. I want to do whatever I want. Uh, and you say, oh, look, mate, I, I said this is not okay. If they insisted that they want to be in, you know, in there but do whatever they like, guess what will happen? You'll show them the door. That's exactly right. Mm. How evil of you yeah. to show somebody off out of the door when they were just wanting to live their life free in your house. Mm. Yeah. Can you see how nonsensical that is? Yes. Now, so you can see that God setting a standard is very reasonable. Unless you think we ought to have a standard, how country need to have standards, but God shouldn't have one. Mm. And somehow it is justified in our mind that we should deprive him of being God while we are God and setting our standard. That is at the core of this question. Mm. The bottom line is we want to be God and we don't want him to. When we play God, that's fine. But when he who is God, want to be God, that's not okay. No, that's right. Now, let's read, uh, yeah, I want to give biblical text before I say what we talked about. You had all this time, has given us no scriptural text. I want to start with the, 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 the suggestion that hell was not actually built for humans. Hell was a place for the enemy of God, and then we know who that is. Mm. That is the devil, and is, you know, all his minions. Right. If, if you are opening uh, the book of Revelation from verse 20, and if you read, you started from uh, chapter 20 from verse 7, and uh, but I'm interested in reading from verse 11. OK, that's what, what I'm, I, I'm interested in. Um, no, no, actually, let's, let's read, read a bit. Um, um, from verse 7, you get a bit of context. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand of the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surrounded by the camp of God's people. The city 
uh, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And verse 10, that's where I want to be. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and heaven fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and other book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead, um, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Mm. So you still read the text there. Uh, the description is that this place was made for the enemy of God. Mm. The devil and his minions and the people that follow him. And so, but what happens after you read from verse 11 is that God then brings everybody who was there, who had died, everyone will come back to life. The resurrection will be for everybody. Mm. Then, so that everybody can stand before God and be held accountable for their immoral choices. Mm. You see, the going to heaven or going to hell is a moral choice that human beings make. You see, the enemy of God made that choice and God has never provided a way of repentance all the way out for him. No. None. You see? And so being thrown in the lake of fire, that's his final destination. But the going to the place of hell, when the judgment happened, this is a question of moral choices that made by the people who made that choice. And this is where it gets a lot interesting. It is the reason why, actually, anyone who hears the believers or Christian talking about hell is trying to warn you that you don't have to go there. Yes, you have, you have a way out. That's exactly mm. why. You do not have to go there. No. This place of separation from God is a place of torment. Now, someone say, but torment for eternity, you know, talking about. Yeah. Okay. Let's try to sort of open that up and then we can, we can realize why the Bible uses the imagery that it, it uses. You see, the Bible says that all and every good gifts come from God, the Father of light, from whom there is no shadow of turning. Mm. So, you know, life, you know, pleasure, uh, you know, all the good things that we can... We can uh, people do wrong things not because of wrong itself, C.S. Lewis used to say. People do wrong things because it's a pursuit of some good. The person who steals, he steals for the goods that they get, the pleasure they may get from whatever they're going to buy from what they have stolen. The person who goes and committed adultery or, you know, engaged in sexual immorality does so because of the pleasure that that sin is giving them. The pleasure of sin is the reason why sin is being pursued. You see what I mean? Yes. But that very pleasure is a gift of God. So what God has been so good. Like the pleasure you get is a good. Yeah. God is the, the, he is the source of all good and all goodness. He is actually the good. So whatever good you get right now, while we're still under gr the grace of God, is the good that you get because God is good. The Bible says he makes his son rise upon the, the, the godly and the ungodly. In other words, God actually makes his son come up even shine upon people who are his enemies, people who hate him, who says he doesn't exist, who says, I don't want him, I don't care about him. This is how good God is up until now. The goodness of God is experienced every single day when you walk, wake up. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Because the Bible says, if he could judge us according to our own iniquities, no one would ever survive in his presence. Mm. 
So it's like somebody who's got extended, like in your house, and somebody's basically messed your carpet up. You like you give them a, a bit of warning, and you say, "Look, I want you to stay here. This is what you need to do. Trust me. Do what I say, so you can live in peace. And I'll provide for your meals, your clothing, and everything else." And the person say, "I don't care what you say. I want to do my own thing in your house. I'm just going to make sure that I mess what whatever I want to do. I'm just going to do it." Mm. So it is this sheer rebelliousness of. I don't want to do what you say, even though this is your domain. Yeah. Now, you don't have to act like that. You don't have to. No. And so here is uh, just this is an interesting. Uh, God has provided a way for us to be able to live in his world, even though we don't actually qualify. Since the day Adam became an enemy of God, his children were enemies of God. Mm-hmm. You know, the descendants from Adam were enemies of God. Look at the things that they've done. Look at our culture today. We'd rather not have God being done. We're trying to get him out of every public square. We want to get even the Lord's Prayer out of our parliament. Think about that. So we're like, oh, we, we're going to just, we, we don't want you, but we're going to come and live in your space. Well, people who are going to hell have already chosen deliberately they don't want God. It actually would be an act of lack of love for God to force them into heaven. Mm. Think about it this way. Metaphor will work. Let's say a young man meets a young girl and says, I love you, I want to marry you, da, da, da. And she's like, well, you know, I like you as a friend. Just just leave me alone. And the man goes, no, 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 I don't take no for an answer. I will make you love me. Yeah. Would you think that's love? If he loves her, what should he do? Let her go. Leave her alone. Yes, exactly. exactly. Respect the freedom of a will, the mm. freedom of choice. So if she has chosen to not go with God, if somebody chooses not to go with God, what is the point and the purpose for God to force them into his presence? Mm. So in that sense, God has provided a way so that the, our destination normally would be because of our, we're born from Adam. Our destination is separation eternal. Yeah. But he has provided a way, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, uh, provide a way for us to actually live with him unless we so choose, choose not otherwise. To. Yeah. Well, we will, uh, we will discover that <laughs> that way after Chris Tomlin and, well, great song, Come Home Running. So hopefully that's exactly what we're going to do.
Well, that's a very appropriate song for the last little part of uh, of what we're talking about. Come home running just as you are. And that's yes. exactly what God does, doesn't he? Yes. He has given us an opportunity in the in the dirty, filthy state that we are in yeah. to become clean yeah. and to be uh, to be given the, that gift of eternal life yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're going to... Uh, Expand yeah. on that beautiful gift that God has given us. That's exactly right. Now, you remember I was saying that, you know, life itself is a gift of God. The pleasure we get, you know, these things are gifts from God. Mm. Now, the reason why the Bible describes hell as a outer darkness, because God is light, okay, uh, a place of pain and gnashing of teeth, uh, it is to say that there's going to be no pleasure there, okay? Mm. There's not going to be pleasure. But because we have pursued, people have pursued, you know, the sins that they're now attached and addicted to. In fact, people are addicted to sin. Mm. Literally, people are addicted to sin. And because of the addiction to sin, uh, it's an addiction that you can't basically set yourself free from. Why? Because the one who's tied you there, you're prisoner of the enemy of God who lured human beings into sin. So they are basically addicted to sin and they'll continue to sin after the pleasure that sin gives is been taken away. Because outside, far from the presence of God, every good gift that comes from him will be withdrawn. So you could imagine somebody wants to have a drink and get drunk without the pleasure that they think they're going to get from them. They're tormented by the fact that they can't stop, but they continue. A person who is addicted to sexuality, sexual immorality, for example, who will be engaging in the act but with no pleasure. Mm. It's all, when you, when you, I heard a theologian giving that as a, a way to understand the torment that people who are separated from God, because God is still providing His goodness here. That's why we're still going, oh, somebody said, oh, I can't wait when I, when I get to hell, I'll be having a party or having yeah, exactly. you know, a box of... Uh, Big you know, rock we, concert. Yeah, sort of stuff. rock concert. Yeah. yeah, you're enjoying that because the gift of pleasure and the gift of joy and enjoyment is the gift of God until He's taken it away. Yeah. You see? Yep. And now you have left with a pursuit of something that will not give you that such a pleasure. Mm. It will be really terrifying. Now, and so what exactly did God... God doesn't want anybody to... The Bible to says there, yeah. He wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of God. Yep. That is what... He wants people to know Him, to be in communion with Him. This is why He's a good God. God doesn't send people to hell. To answer the question, where would a good God send people to hell? No, the good God doesn't want to send anybody there. No. A good God wills and want that everyone would come to now i know there is a bit of you know different stream of thoughts within the christian fall where you know someone says where there are people who are you know they elect uh you know i'm not going to engage we, we into won't that. Go there. no but, not, not they maybe for another time yeah that's that's <laughs> another question i'm saying that the bible says let's let's read john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish mm. but ever eternal life mm. for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world yeah. see our default destination is separation from god and god sent his son to save us from that separation now the person who refuses to be saved from the separation is chosen to be separated. Yeah. Okay. So uh, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in sin condemned already because they have not believed in the in God's in, in the name of God's one and only Son. Can you see that? Yeah. So it is the refusal to trust Christ that causes people to be separated. This is why my, uh, the sound of, of alarm that I'm sounding is like this, the message of the doctrine of hell needs to come back inside our pulpits and our churches. It has to be explained for what it is. You, you, need, you need not, the Bible is clear about it. Yeah. God is good and just. If he did not have, if he did not you know, judge people for their moral choices, it would not be just. Mm. If he didn't have a standard, he would not be holy. But you see, there's another characteristic, another character of God, which is God is love. This is why he provides a way so that you don't have to hand in that place of torment. Mm. A place where, you know, as I was giving the example earlier on, you know, somebody wants to mess up your carpet with dirty gum boots and it's cold outside and it's, you know, raining, it's winter 
and you don't want them to go outside. They, but they don't want to abide by the rules of your house. They just want to come in your house and be now the owner of the house, if you will, make their own rules. See, the problem of human condition is not, it's not that it's, God is already good. Look at the world within which we live. He made it and he lives, we lives in a good world made by a good God. Yeah. But people say, no, we don't want you to set a standard. We don't want your standard. We want to be God. Mm. That is the problem. The reason why the West is struggling with the, the, the idea of hell is because there is a big problem with people wanting to be God in the West. Mm. It's about me. I set my standard. I do my own thing. Nobody tells me what to do. You know, and that is what, and, and you, you're afraid to do that. God in his love gave you the freedom of the will to make that choice. So you can choose that. This is why we appeal to you by the mercies of God. Apostle Paul writes right to, to, to the churches that he was building. He said, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. That you, you may come to know Christ. And if you come to know Christ and trust him, why would you be standing here and being outraged about the fact that there's a hell if you can avoid going there? Yes. I, I just doesn't make sense to me. See, the place, the, the, uh, Jesus gave a parable in Luke 16 uh, to show that people have gone there. Now they're like, oh, we've ended here. But there the curtain has been shut. Yeah. So one of them, the rich man, uh, Jesus called him, rich man and Lazarus, mm. is calling on to Father Abraham says, can you ask Lazarus to d- send even a drop of water here? Uh, Abraham's like, the, the gulf, the, 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 it's a huge divide. Yeah. They can't get there. But how about you go and warn my, my brothers and sisters? Like, well, even if somebody came from the dead, they won't listen if they can't listen to the prophets who are there. Yeah. Like right now, the message of the gospel is being preached. Churches, let's preach the gospel. That is the way to avoid people ending up in utter darkness mm. instead of avoiding to do it because people may be offended by the choices they've already made. Yes, exactly. Well, I hope that everybody's been really blessed by the message today. I, I certainly have. And, uh, and if you have a question, or if you would like Samuel to expand on anything that we have spoken about today, just uh, pop that little message on our Facebook page or on his Facebook page, or you can go to our new website. Yes, which is at a, a, res- no, oh, sorry, a, a reasonable, reasonable Christianity. Christianity. Dot com. Yes. Um, so you'll see we've we've actually started to build a very nice little website, yes. um, and you can interact uh, via email as well.